0: go please hang up and try again
1: Christian Radio. I'm Chip Gibson, the tree hugger, we've got some folks in, say hey to Chris down in Pensacola, we got my buddy Jim from North Atlanta, we got Mr. Becker on the line, and Matt Trucks, the yak chum from the great white north, it seems, up there, man. How y'all doing tonight? Matt, is it cold?
2: It's getting cold again. It's been like in the 40s and 50s during
1: the day, again, kind of weird. <laughs> but uh nights are in the twenties. Yeah, we were uh I woke up to twenty three this morning, so that's just ridiculous, man. This is Atlanta. <laughs> You're not supposed to be seeing that stuff. You boys up there in Jersey and are supposed to be worried about ice flows and I got a do it yourself glacier kit in my swimming pool in the backyard and it's like crazy. Mr. Becker, how are you this evening, sir?
2: Oh, it is a uh, full moon, 48 degrees here in sunny downtown Tampa, Florida.
1: A full moon and 48 degrees. Well, it's a full moon here, yeah, they got... but I don't know. Go ahead.
2: No, I was going to say, I've got freeze warnings out for tonight and tomorrow night, so it's going to make it, it's uh, going to chill the water in Tampa Bay, no doubt.
1: Yeah. Wow. Well, let's hope we don't see a fish kill like we did a couple of years ago.
2: Yeah, I don't think it'll stay cold enough for long enough for that, unless uh, you know, unless the power plants shut down. But it'll it'll get cool.
1: Yeah, I was thinking, you know, that what was it? It was like it was freezing for like a week when we had that last fish kill, right?
2: Yeah, I believe so. That was just before I came down, but it was uh, it was an extended period of very cold weather. So
1: yeah, so. Jim up on the north side there. We were talking, just chatting before the show. You've been able to get down to the pond, and you were fishing over on the coast, and so hadn't been too bad. No,
3: still it's uh, 39 degrees on the north side right now. Nice and balmy, yeah. no breeze. <laughs>
1: 39. We nice are in Georgia, bal-
3: right?
1: Yeah, we are. We are in That's Georgia. What they- I they tell us, right? I looked at the map and said, you are here. So, anyways, so um, taking a look at the calendar, we got on the way, it's coming up soon, we've got the, uh, the next boondoggle, and uh, it's going to be Crooked River State Park in uh, Georgia, St. Mary's area, and uh, that'll be uh, February 14th, the weekend of February 14th, through oh let's see it's uh fourteen fifteen sixteen and that is uh twenty eight days from now so I understand that we have uh, that the uh, the campsites are all taken but uh, you can put two tents or a trailer in a tent and up to six people per site so if you've uh if you're not full up on a, up on a site, go to the boondoggle, uh, Facebook page and let folks know. I, I see that there's a couple of folks looking for, uh, looking to share a site. So check it out and, uh, see how that, uh, see if you can get a friend. It's going to be fun. It's, uh, in the kind of back to the, uh, the, the beginnings of the boondoggle. This is, uh, we spent a lot of time and effort on the October one, and I think that's what we're going to do every year. The October boondoggle will be kind of our boondoggle X, whereas the February one will be uh, kind of the old school boondoggle. We put the pin in the map. There's nothing catered. There's no fees. There's, it's just uh, you're responsible to get there, get your campsite, and uh, we just all hang out spend the weekend together fishing, talking about kayak stuff and all that kind of thing, but... So, look forward to seeing folks over there. I know we've we put a thing up on the Facebook page too. So if you're headed to if you're going to show up to the uh, boondoggle, we're trying to get kind of a, a head count and uh, let us know. Uh, so go to the boondoggle page there and uh, see if we can't get a good head count. I think somebody's looking to make some uh, make some cupcakes or something. So that would be nice. Um, anyways. I think that is Cap D on the line. Is that you, Cap? Cap, are you on the line?
0: Trying to work my technology, man. How you doing?
1: It's called a mute button. (laughs) How's the weather up there, man?
0: It's cold, icy, snowy. It snowed again this morning. Dang it. But that's okay. I spent uh, the weekend cleaning up my tackle, pulled, pulled salt and sand out of parts of the reels that, that shouldn't be in. And <laughs> get, getting everything ready.
1: Yeah, you're gonna make it down to the boondoggle. <laughs>
0: yeah, Pete, Pete and I'll be there this time. No women, no women, folks. Oh. Uh, but that's okay.
1: Yeah. That we can do
0: serious fishing this time instead of towing them around the, you know, the marina. <laughs>
1: Well, it will be serious fishing. if uh, for those of you who have not fished on the East Coast of the United States, somewhere between uh, like Jacksonville, North, uh, that we've got some. There's some serious tides over there. That was one of my first experiences going a Crooked River with the Clone uh, to fish backwater and to fish a big tide. In fact, the uh, I was looking at the tides for Boondoggle. And let me see if I got them here on my machine. I had somebody send me a note today and ask me what I had put up the Tide prediction for the, uh, for the Adventure Fishing World Championship. And I use a an app on my phone called Tide Plus. It's kind of a neat little app. Uh, it has a map you can go in. It shows all the uh, points for where the tide stations are. So for, uh, there's like the Cumberland Tide Station, which is just to the east of Crooked River, and Harriet's Bluff, which is a little further inland. So usually if I'm fishing that area and I'm looking to see what the tide's going to do as it's coming in, because I'm fishing an incoming tide, that's going to push me in, you know, to the west of Crooked River boat launch. I'm going to check Harriet's Bluff to see how much time it takes for the tide to roll in and out of there. And if I'm looking to fish an outgoing tide, then I'll look at the Cumberland Island Tide Station. But anyway, so uh, on February 15, we'll just look at Saturday. So February 15th, we have a 15-day-old moon. And high tide will be at 10.30 in the morning at 6.86 feet, so almost a 7-foot tide. Uh, low low tide is at, uh, what does it say here, where's my details? Yeah, low tide is a minus .03 feet at 4.28 in the morning. High tide at 6.86 feet at 10.30, so almost a 7-foot tide uh in uh six hours there. So that's a pretty good tide. Uh if you if you've not fished the tide like that. It's really moving. <laughs> so we'll probably fish to the west on the part of the incoming that morning and then at about ten o'clock we'll start moving back towards the launch. You don't want to get caught out too far because low tide it doesn't start coming back in again until oh about six o'clock at night, <laughs> so that will be uh, that'd be interesting, but uh, so, it will so be some good so fish. Some
0: socks and anchor them up, right?
1: Uh, I would suggest a good uh yeah some an anchor. Yeah, you need an um, anchor. A stakeout pole. That's why I have that one stakeout pole. That ten footer is uh, and it's a it's a small diameter one because there's a lot of oyster beds there and stuff, so. If you don't have a smaller diameter stakeout pole, then I would go with some kind of an anchor or something. You want braid because it's uh, lots of oysters and stuff, so you need some uh, something that's not going to get roughed up too bad. Um, short leader, yeah, don't need long leader. Nah, the water the water's tends, dirty
3: down there.
1: Yeah, it tends to be yep. a little dirty, so just just a little short leader. But uh, think an anchor. Say again. You
3: need to take an anchor. Don't depend yeah. on a stakeout pole because you might you might be in fifteen in foot of water. You might be at yeah you might be six foot or seven foot at a dead low tide, but top of the tide it might be fifteen or twenty feet. So you're not gonna a stakeout pole is not gonna do you any good. It do well, it'll you be, good at the very bottom part of the tide. And that's about it'll it. Be,
1: it'll be six foot under your boat if you don't take care take care and watch it. That's right. <laughs> it'll drag you down. So. But uh, yeah, and there'd be you know, and the uh, now the the launch, unlike the first boondoggle we had, we went to um, little Talbot Island, and the launch that we did from the campsite there, it when the tide was out, you couldn't reach the campsite. It was like a mile from the nearest water, and uh, we didn't know that, so we had the great mud bog slog on the way back in. <laughs> Yeah, (laughs) because high tide, the water didn't even get back up to the campsite until, like, almost midnight. So we were out there just waiting, man, when's this tide going to turn around? (laughs) Then we just started slogging it back in. Man, I mean, we we drug kayaks for probably two and a half miles to get back to the campsite through mud and everything. Uh, That's another thing, too, if you're not used to fishing around where you get those big tides and the mud starts showing up. Try to stay, keep it, you know, keep your situational awareness as to where the water is. It stays wet uh, at the Crooked River boat launch. So, but with the tide coming in in the morning, like it is scheduled, you know, like it will be on Saturday at the Boondoggle, you'll probably ride the tide in to like the first couple little areas. There'll be plenty of marsh and stuff right up in there. But then when it starts coming back out. Uh, like I said, I wouldn't go too far past the boat launch before I deci- decided to get out. Uh, cause you'll, it'll take you all the way out to Cumberland, but, uh, don't, don't get high sided in the mud. Cause what is it? Some folks call it like pluff mud. Cause it's just, it, I mean, yeah, it's the more, thick. the
3: more, the more you fight that mud, the worse you get stuck in it. And, you know, me growing up in that area, Chip, um, the taller the mar- marsh grass and the darker the mud, the softer it is, and you will sink up to your chest. And the more you try to fight in that mud, the more it sucks you in. So there's a lot of old-timers who can walk through the marsh in the shorter Spartina grass, and that's what they do when they're chasing redfish who are up there in the summer eating fiddler crabs. They paddle through that tall stuff, and then they get way back into the hard pan. And where the Spartina class, grass is very short and thinned out, and that's more – that's. You can walk on that without sinking, but when you get within 20, 30 feet of the river or any of the creeks, you'll see that marsh grass get real tall, and I guarantee you that would be the softest mud you ever stepped in. Um, yeah. I think the only place that has more mud than the coast of Georgia is around Anchorage, Alaska, Cook's Inlet. I got like a couple hundred feet of mud from yeah. you know, the big tides up there, but, uh, you know, just don't do anything stupid and you'll be fine.
1: Yeah, one of the fellows from Jacksonville showed us a trick in that, you know, if you get out there and you get in it and you're trying to move through the mud, trying to get to some place where you're back in the water, uh, you realize that you're out of your boat and you get into that soft mud, is just go ahead and straddle the bow or, your, or the stern of your kayak and just kind of use it like one of those little bouncer balls when you use a kid, you know, and just sit on the bow and move yep. yourself along. At least that way there, the, the boat will keep you from sinking into that mud because, yeah. You, you, uh, I've heard yeah. stories. I've never heard any confirmation, but I've heard stories of people sinking down to their chests, and then when the tide comes back in, never see them again. So, so.
3: we um, one of the guys in the guard with me when I was living down there, his son went out cast netting um, for shrimp by himself, and the guy who was in the guard. The guy knew exactly where the, his son was going, and his son was in his early twenties and he got fooling around in the John boat throwing the cast net and ended up falling out. I don't know if he got the cast net hung up on a oyster bed and ended up out and ended up stuck and, you know, wasn't back at the appointed time, and Dad went out and found him, and the water was about halfway up to his chest, um, and, you know, John boat had drifted off with the engine, and he was sitting there stuck in the mud with the cast net in one hand, um, but there was nothing he could do, and luckily, you know, everybody knew where everybody was, but it could have turned out much worse. Bob Beach's son, it could have turned yes. out much worse if another hour later, and it had been all over. Or yeah. less than an hour, really. So,
1: Yeah, yeah that water, of, it, it floods. You
3: know, yeah, it moves. It moves.
1: it, it kind
3: of, it, it really... Go
1: ahead. I mean, it just, it's just, it really is... I remember when, first time me and the clone went out there, he was just a youngster, and the... The sides of the boat ramp, it was pretty near low tide, kind of similar to the same tides we're going to see at the boondoggle. And uh, the the boat ramp has like eight foot tall walls on either side of it. And so, you know, we're launching down in this little, like a little, you know, three sided tunnel that, uh, and he got out past the end of the wall and just, man, that current hit him and he was gone, you know. Uh, it was all he could do to paddle back around to get out of the current back into the area where, you know, where we could, he could stage before I got my boat in the water. So, and then we, you know, we turned around at one point, you know, we were fishing and he's like, you know, he was just a little guy and I think he was probably 10 and we're, he's ready to come back in. So we started working our way back. And I mean, it was all I could do to paddle against that current and, I put my stake, we stayed close to this bank, you know, and I put my stakeout pole in and get a breath and then paddle up, get the stakeout pole, paddle and get about a kayak length up, put the stakeout pole in again, take a break. But uh, So it's, you plan to get out, go out, and then come right back. <laughs> uh, yeah. Or go um, out and stay out with the tide.
3: Yeah. Well, you're fishing right there. Where well, you put in that crooked river, if you look on Google Earth or Google Maps. You look at your proximity to Cumberland Sound and Cumberland Island, and you're not. I mean, you're in, that is big water when you look at that area. I mean, of course, the ocean is the biggest water, and Saint mm-hmm. Andrew Sound is actually really big water. It's one of the largest sounds south of Chesapeake Bay, but um, for a river, a tidal river, that's considered big water, and when you got big water, you got big current. Yeah. Um, you know, the good side. The the good side of that is you got good. Good water flush. You never had red tides. You know, I lived in Brunswick, just north of there, for I guess from when I was eight to 22, and um, never had a red tide. Never will have a red tide because there's too much water flush. But it does limit the way you can fish. I mean, for years, everyone I know who fished that area fished with a quarter ounce leadhead jig in the winter, trolling for trout because they're feeding on uh, glass minnows, and then in the summer it was slip corks with live shrimp. And then no one through topwater. Because, you know, when you've got, in the summer, you know, you could have a 12-foot tide. A fish is not going to leave. If he's in two or three foot of water sitting behind an oyster bed or a tree that's over or some kind of structure, a fish is not going to leave that and swim 10 feet up against a tide that big and grab a topwater and come back down. The the calories to get up and get that food off the surface it's not worth it. Now, you can get way, ba- way back up in the marsh and get in some shallow sand flats and you'll see trout running small minnows and bluefish running minnows in the summer and you can use topwater then but this time of year, I mean, pretty much it's quarter-ounce jig heads, uh, slip floats, or a lot of people, a lot of the old, old-timers use bottom rigs, you know, just a Carolina rig, one or two ounces of lead, two foot a liter, and then a live shrimp on the end of it. But, you know, a lot of people use slip floats and still do just because you can cover so much water with them and you can adjust your depth as you're floating that like, shrimp. You know? How about like DOAs on a, a popping cork? Um, if you're way back up in the marsh and you're in shallow enough water, you can do that. You know, a popping cork, you can get about three or four feet a liter. of. And if you're over a seven or eight-foot hole, there's a good chance that fish is not going to come up after that. That bait that high Um, And that's why a lot of people Fished the slip floats And I'm the old man who Took me under his wing and you know Learned me how to fish that area Um, He would take a slip float And he'd move his knot 20 feet up the line To keep that shrimp about 2 foot off the bottom In some of the deeper cuts And you know we'd catch trout And we'd catch flounder and we'd catch redfish And we'd catch this time of year you might catch striped bass And then on the bottom you might this time of year, catch black drum, but they were that focus on keeping that bait within two or three foot of the bottom, you know, right. and down current of any structure. You know, a dip in the bottom is structure. Of course, oyster bars are structure, and anywhere you have a small creek coming into a larger river, that's natural structure. And you can throw quarter ounce jig heads with uh any of your SSTS. Um, there's
1: a there's a really good. That- there's a rig that I got familiar with fishing over there around Coffee Bluff and down in Crooked River and all, and they call it a flounder rig, but I think it'd be just as good, and it's a, you, if you think about it, it's got a, from your main line, you tie on a uh, a trolling sinker, about a three-quarter ounce trolling sinker, and then another uh, three foot a liter from that, and then one of those little peg, like a little two inch, one and three quarter inch float. A crappy float. Yeah, a little mm-hmm. crappy float. So the trolling sinker mm-hmm. takes it to the bottom and then that little crappy float holds your bait just about two feet off of the bottom. And that yeah, is really use a, effective down there. And then you use don't have to a lot worry of about the Tesopee bait, too. That. Yeah. And if you're gonna use a slip float, make sure you put a bead on at, above your your yep. your hook. So that it doesn't get caught yep. on your knot. So that slip float'll just slip yep. right back up. But uh yeah, I like that little I like that little rig where you got the troll and sinker. It's easy, it doesn't drag against the water as much and that little float kinda holds it. So that way there you know at least when the sinker's on the bottom you're two feet off. You don't have to worry too much about how deep it is. And uh it's killer with trout or uh trouting in those deep holes, flounder and all. Mm-hmm. It works pretty good. So I'll, uh, I'll show folks how to tie one of those when we get over there to boondoggle, so But Unfortunately
3: uh, the flounder are not gonna be happening. It's not the right time of year. You might catch a couple of dinks. I call it a little dink at Christmas, one little dink flounder and some dink trout, but um all the big flounder moved off this time of year.
1: Yeah. So, but it's really get, a summertime. time. You'll still yep. get your bait down in those holes where you put the the trout and all 'cause that's you're gonna want to I don't think the tide since it's since we got high tide at ten in the morning, if you go out early um it's not going to turn around and come back i mean it's going to turn around and bring you right back to the to the dock, so you won't be able to get yep. too far back up into marsh before the tide turns so
3: unless you um tide's coming in, tide's going to be high at ten in the morning yeah um, you might be able to paddle against the tide as you're going out. So if you get an early launch, go ahead and paddle east against the tide. And if you look on the map, there's a Grover Island across from the launch. And then if you look at the left, there's a cut that goes up to the left, and there's also a cut to the right. You might be able to launch and paddle hard or pedal hard and either go to the left or go to the right and snake up in there in those little branches. And then yeah. um, when the tide turn up you know, with the tide turn come out of all those branches go up in there as far as you can any corner any feeder creek any corner any oyster bed any point is worth hitting because you know there's always eddies and fish are most hitting eddies and then just come out of that with the tide when it goes out um,
1: it's been a while since I've be been down there but when the tide starts rolling out and then and it yeah. starts to drop off of that out of that spartina grass you can find one little cut where the water's flowing out. There will be fish waiting down there at the end of those little cuts coming into the main branch, too. Fish will sit right. the one th- as it drains out.
3: Yep. The one thing is if you go east in the morning against the tide, incoming tide, when that tide turns and starts running out, you're going to have a, a hard paddle back going west to the boat ramp because you'll be going against the outgoing tide. Now, I will tell you the tide in that area runs in stages. It doesn't run wide open the whole time. It runs hard, then it'll ease up a little bit, and then it'll run hard again, and then ease up a little bit. And usually it's, when it first turns, it's slow, then it gets momentum and really starts running hard. It runs hard for a while, then it eases up just a touch and runs hard one more time, and then you're at the bottom of the tide. It's not one big hard flow like it is up in Nova Scotia or over in Anchorage where there's you know 30 foot of water moving and it's you know a big wall of water. But, um, you know, if you get if you got your pedal boat, you know, if you've got any kind of boat that you can pedal, you probably could go east in the morning and fish those little cuts, if you look on the map, go way back All in right. those cuts, and then pedal against the outgoing tide. Because if you look west, there's not a whole lot until you go, you got to go down, you know, down that one curve, up and down again before you get into any kind of feeder creek. So there's not a whole lot going on west of the launch. You know, get out in those deep holes. If there's any oyster beds, you can hit those. Um,
1: yeah, you got to go past, there's there's like a line of houses and stuff there, and then once you get past that, yeah. there's there's a couple little areas in there, but it's a pretty long way. And then I, what we did was, the tide was coming in, it was like I said, it was low tide early, we hit the water, we got pushed west, went out that way, and then we cut across to Grover and just kind of worked our way around those little cuts and openings there until the tide turned around and then just jumped back across and that's when we were just paddling. So, with, with a pedal boat, it's going to be a little bit easier. But um, some good fishing areas there. It'll be, I mean, it'd be real interesting if you've never seen the big tides like that, never seen the way. I, Cause you'll see like three inches of grass at high tide, and when the tide goes out, the grass will be six feet above your head. So <laughs> it's uh, it's going to be fun, and and that is big water, and if you're real interesting you know you could probably just work your way out towards cumberland but uh i don't think it'll be tough coming back in once that tide goes high at 10 and it starts going back out so um but anyways let's take a minute i wanted to uh give uh greg you still there mr becker take a second you're breaking up I was going to give give him a chance to talk about the Tampa Bay Frogman Swim. It's coming up this weekend. Hmm. Well, anyways, Tampa Bay Frogman Swim is uh, set up for uh, well, Matt just dropped off. No, um, is uh, set up to support uh, Navy SEALs and the guys that have been on missions and come back, and their family needs help. They need help, and uh, it's uh, a great opportunity. It's a 5K swim that goes across Tampa Bay. Uh, They have kayakers such as Mr. Becker that support the swimmers and paddle across with them, and uh, this year, it raises money for, it's kind of like Heroes on the Water, but it helps support the guys who didn't return from a mission and their families. Uh, And Mr. Becker is always supported. He's been doing it for the past couple of years. Becca Mann has been his swimmer. I don't know if she's going to be 100% for the event, however, uh, but uh, he'll be out there supporting it, and he has a goal of raising some funds. If you go to yakangler.com forward slash TBFS, so Tampa Bay Frogman Swim, so just the initials, Tango Bravo Foxtrot Sierra. It's the Tampa Bay Frogman Swim. But you go com forward slash tbfs, and that's the page. And Greg is uh, is uh, trying to help out, and he's got a goal there. So it's just like you're, uh, you're, you're just sp- sponsoring him and supporting him. And if uh, you, you're looking for something to support, that's a good idea. And I would challenge everybody to go and take a look. So... Um, he's about 60% towards his goal and it's a, it's a great event and it's for a great cause. And even if Becca doesn't get to swim, we still want to support him. So check that out. Uh, I don't know, Greg, if you've been able to get to a spot where we can hear you or not.
2: Yep. bow back in that I was, it there apparently switched cells just as you kicked it over to me. So, uh, sorry okay. for missing the so talk. So you got
1: anything else? You got anything else to add?
2: No, uh, I don't, other than, uh, you know, as you said, this is a, a great event for a good cause. Um, 5K in the open water of Tampa Bay in January uh, is, not, is not necessarily fun on a good day. With this cold stretch, I imagine the water temps will be down in the, uh, you know, will certainly be down in the 50s. The air temp that morning will be down in the, uh, the low 30s, uh, the upper 30s, depending on what time it is in the morning. Uh, but there are still uh, several hundred people who are going to get out there and jump in the water and swim 3.1 miles, and a couple hundred kayakers are going to go with them and support them to raise funds for this cause. So uh, if you're inclined, any, any amount you want to give helps. Every dollar helps, and it goes to uh, a very respectable cause to, with a charity that's very highly rated. So give it some thought. We appreciate the, we appreciate the support, and uh, thanks for the plug, Chip.
1: And if you're if uh, if you need to save some lunch money and stuff, the event is this weekend. However, the uh, the uh, page will be left up. So uh, if you need to wait until next payday, uh, I think you guys are going to keep the website open for until the end of the month.
2: Actually, yeah, um, John Radkins from uh, Coastal Angler has been generous enough. We couldn't get the deadline for the February edition because after the event, but. Uh, he's going to run a uh going to run an after article that I'm putting together uh with the fundraising information in that in all the coastal angler, angler editions in Florida and that'll publish uh the end of February through the beginning of March so we're going to keep at least that fundraising page open through that time period to give people the opportunity to support uh even after the event so um okay. the event is Sunday but uh you know your generosity is timeless
1: so so there you go if uh if you did your New Year's resolution to uh, shed a few pounds like we all should, uh, save your lunch money for a couple of days and throw it towards the uh, Tampa Bay Frogman Swim, the the uh, link we'd like for you to use is yakangler.com forward slash TBFS. So, and Greg, I hope your swimmer makes it.
2: Actually, uh, her sister may be swimming, even if Becca's not. So uh, I'll be out there one way or the other.
1: I know you will, man. So, awesome. Anyways, so that's cool. Check it out. And we've been talking about the uh, b- upcoming boondoggle and some fishing tips there. We'll be uh, talking about that for the next couple of weeks. we still got uh, – it's uh, February 14th. Another event that's on the way, it's uh, the following weekend – and a bunch of us are being headed down for this, is the Adventure Fishing World Championship. Last year was in uh, Everglade City. Uh, This year it's in Flamingo. We'll be fishing the uh, Florida Bay Area. AdventureFishingWorldChampionship.com. All of the slots are taken. They posted the uh, competitors list uh, yesterday or the day before. 52 uh, teams 52 two-person teams, and uh, so there will be uh, uh, 104 of us out there battling around trying to find checkpoints. It's a really interesting concept. I think they're going to be doing some live updates on the web and on the Facebook page, so keep an eye out for that. Uh, I don't know uh, John Grace or Woody Calloway from uh, uh, Native Watercraft, they're the ones that are putting it on. It's a really cool event. We're gonna be headed down for that. That's twenty two February. It's a Saturday. It's a new concept on the tournament. Worked out really cool. We had thirty something teams last year and uh so Clone and I'll be fishing it. I know that there's a bunch of other folks uh, from the area and all around. I know uh Russ and them from uh from New Or from uh, Louisiana, some Texas folks are coming in to fish it. It sounds like a really good time, and uh, we had a great time last year. So I think uh, Clona and I figured from looking at our GPS tracks, we were in a uh, tandem canoe with all of our gear in it fishing, and we paddled uh, just a little over 17 miles from uh, launch at 7 in the morning to return by 5 o'clock in the afternoon. We only found two of the five checkpoints, but uh, we caught fish at one, so... You have to catch fish. You have to find three of five checkpoints and catch fish at three of five to uh, to get on the scoreboard. So, And I'll let you know that we tied for 17th, and everybody who didn't place was in 17th place. So uh, that was uh, out of 33 teams. So we're looking forward to it. We hope we catch some more fish this year. But otherwise, it's just fun to get out there and fish. And, uh Something that I'm looking to do in April, I'm thinking spring break, and I'm going to be looking for some tarpon. So anybody got any ideas on where I should go? I'm hearing that the keys are the place to be for tarpon in April. And uh, I don't know, maybe we put together a road trip and a few of us head down and try to find some tarpon in April. Is anybody up for that? Jim, you go fishing for tarpon in April?
3: Oh yeah, man. Let's go. Yeah,
1: where you go? Yep. You go to the um, Keys.
3: You know, Keys get kind of crowded because you're right at the big beginning of the big migratory push. If they mm-hmm. show up early, it's April, and if it's heavy, it's in May. Um, you know, you can catch. It depends on you want to catch big tarpon or little tarpon. That's my just, first question.
1: Just tarpon.
3: Or no, any tarpon, big, just tarpon.
1: Yeah.
3: I mean, I mean, you know, you've got. Um, just south of, you know, Mr. Becker, down there, you, you know, Naples, um, Pine Island Sound, that backside of Sanibel and Captiva, there all the way down across the uh, Tamiami, you can catch, you know, lots of baby tarpon. They'll probably still be back in the backcountry unless it, it's got a good warm-up. I think it's too early for tarpon in Chuck's area, but there are some babies that stay in a couple of the ditches around Merritt Island. So, I mean, you can go to the Keys... And uh might be a little crowded, or you can go a little not quite as far south and anywhere from, I would say, say Captiva down around through Marco Island. Anywhere through there, you should be able to get into some baby tarpon.
1: Yeah. What do you yeah, think, Captiva, you, you'd be ready for some warm weather and go out go chasing some tarpon?
0: It, it'd be a hell of a try in a kayak, but, you know, what the heck. I'll be up for the sleigh ride.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, buddy. Is that what you're after? Mr. Becker's, like, joining in on that And He's even going to get excited. So, oh, yeah. Okay. I, uh, go ahead. No, I'll definitely yeah. be, out to,
2: be up for the littler ones and then uh, off the beach as the uh, you know, as they move north or further north off the beaches. So in the kayaks, that'll be uh, party time. Yeah, it's on the
1: bucket list for sure, you know. I might even you know, I'm thinking bucket, this got spring bucket. break from four to what is it, four to eleven April, so the second week, really kind of the first full week in April. So I'm thinking about that week to maybe go in search of it and maybe even if we if we need to take a day and uh, get on a boat with a guide and put the uh, put Sammy and the clone on the, on the other end of a rod with a tarpon. So, um, that's a fish that if you haven't ever caught one before, uh, it's, it's really, uh, it's, it's, it's kind of a pleasure and honor to be able to catch one of those fish. So, and especially if it's like, I mean, I think my first one was about 160 pounds. So it was, uh, but, one of the things you have to be ready for, I know, in tarpon fishing, is for about the hookup ratio is about a ten to one. So you might get ten hits to every one that you get a hookup. And usually, it's a a hit and a jump, and that was it. <laughs> so they got a mouth like a like a steel trap. So it's kind of hard to get a hook in them. You so got to
3: keep your hook sharp.
1: Yeah, you got to keep. You got to be keep ready. Your hook sharp. Got to be ready to bow to the king when he comes out of the water. So, now, you ever see tarpon up that way, Matt? No, um the <laughs> furthest north I've ever heard them coming up is like Virginia Beach area. Um, maybe I think Indian River in uh, Delaware. They have caught them, but barely. Yeah, it's rare. So you'd be coming down in April for a tarpon trip with us, man. Oh, I wish. <laughs> I really do. Oh. I need to beg my boss to be like, listen, I just need like four months of vacation every year. <laughs> so they could go chase fish, don't right? We all. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Don't we all. You think, you, think the, you think the captains would get mad at us in Boca Grande if we were out there in kayaks, paddling around, getting in their way?
3: You, you, you don't want to do that. You don't want to do that. <laughs> The, yeah, yeah. You, have you seen Boca Grande during the tarpon run? You don't yeah. want to be out there in a kayak.
1: No, uh, I don't even want to be out there in a boat.
3: <laughs> no. Have
1: yeah, you unless seen you're some with, of the
3: sides of some of the hammerheads that come oh up there God. during the tarpon yeah. run?
1: The
3: yeah, great,
1: they would, yeah, you don't want to be out there in a kayak. They They would eat your kayak. <laughs> yep. So, but. So anyways, let's we'll keep that one in, in the back of our minds as far as looking for some, going for a little tarpon trip in April. But uh I don't know. I don't know if anybody's gonna be fishing this weekend. I know Mr. Becker's gonna be on the water supporting the frogman swim, but I don't see really any good uh I don't see any good weather unless you're down there in in the Keys, man. <laughs> Or Maybe over in Texas. Maybe the boys in Texas are gonna see some, some warmer weather. And if you haven't Yeah, South, heard, South California. <laughs> yeah about it. If you haven't heard, we kayak fishing radio is back on the air on Tuesday nights. Our new uh, newest member of the broadcast team here, Jaron Rosel from uh I think he's from Rock City, Texas or Rock Island, Texas. Where is Jaron from? Let me check his uh, page here real quick. Round Rock is, and uh, he uh, works, uh, he's a, uh, a buyer for Austin Kayak, and he has joined us, and now he's on Tuesday nights, and his show or his broadcast comes on at 8 o'clock Central. So, be like me, in the first time, I, or last uh, Tuesday night, I was sitting there at 8 o'clock, and I'm like, where is he? Why isn't he on air? Well, it's because it's 9 o'clock on the East Coast uh, when he gets on the air. So uh, he's doing a great job. Him and uh, Andrew there are uh, talking up fishing. And actually, really interesting, uh, this week uh, or uh, next Tuesday, uh, Jim Salmons will be joining them on the show on Tuesday. So you might want to set a uh, uh, a reminder. Uh, Tuesday night there, the Yak Fishing Texas from Kayak Fishing Radio. I don't know if he's got a uh, an event set up yet for it, but it will be uh, Jim Sammons joining him, and I look forward to listening to that one. So that should be a lot hey, of fun. Hey, Chip,
0: you, a could first not go wrong. You, you could not go wrong if we did a boondoggle somewhere around Galveston Bay. Is that right? Oh, man, I, I have a, uh, one of the guys that works for me works out of that part of the country and he takes off every Friday in the fall uh, and fishes for redfish and flounder. And he, you know, he probably sent me 15 pictures this year with uh, full limits on the, on the reds. And uh, he was complaining because it was a bad year. (laughs) You know, amazing. We went down and and just slayed them uh, back in, in the cuts and the channels, uh, there's a couple. Uh, there's one particular place on the north side of Galveston Bay, and the name escapes me. But it's an artificial. Uh, they they did a big big contention down there. This place they did an artificial cut through to the ocean, um, uh, the channel, <coughs> uh, and you know the environmentalists are complaining. It's you know watch, washing away, you know too much erosion. But, oh, my God,
1: the fishing in that channel is incredible. You the say that's around Galveston? The,
0: yep, north side of Galveston. Huh. North side of Galveston Bay.
1: Um, Jaren is trying to talk us into heading down to, what is it called, Goose Island, which is uh, down a little bit closer to, like, Corpus, I think, or Ransus. Yeah, I would uh, think
0: that would be pretty incredible,
1: too. Yeah cuz I know that uh on the east coast there of Texas as you go up north you start getting kind of marshy kind of stuff like uh like uh Louisiana you know the bayou kind of thing but then yeah, as exactly. you go further south you get sand and and beach and it, it starts getting more like you know the west coast of Florida so um but uh yeah we're that's in our that's in our uh our trip wish list for uh, getting a boondoggle, and now that we've got Jaron over there, we've got some boots on the ground. There's also a couple of uh, freshwater reservoirs in that area around Austin, and they're called, uh, I know one's Calaveras, the other one's Fairfield. They're freshwater impoundments around uh, power plants, and they've stocked the lakes with redfish. So you get a freshwater redfish. And uh, I guess the guys there fish with them using tilapia as bait. So that's about the best use I've heard for tilapia. So
0: yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> we we were sitting in Mobile Bay. We went over to a restaurant looking out over Mobile Bay there and everything. You know, this is pretty well known seafood place. You know, we go in. It's, what's uh, what's on the special today? Well, we have a a fresh tilapia, and I'm like. You know, you're looking out over Mobile Bay, and you're going to tell me that uh, a trash fish like tilapia. I mean, it's a freshwater farm fish. <laughs> it's not. It's not seafood. I got fresh about Yeah, old That's it. Cichlid. <laughs> so, but uh, that might be fun. And you know, Cap, you were like. Uh, you were over there in uh, New Orleans for a while, man. Did you ever get to fish down the bayous, Grand Isle, or A?
0: Um, you know, I, I did, and it was incredible. But, um, you know, there's parts of Grand Island that, uh, that aren't even there anymore because of the hurricanes that have come through in the past yeah. 20 years. I mean, it's been 20, 25 years, but, oh, my God, when you go to Louisiana and fish, the incredible thing to do is, is you got to hook up with some of the locals because what they'll do, you go out and, and you look at those bays at, at night, and it looks like, you know, live, thriving cities. But it's all the gas wells and the oil wells that are sitting out there. Um, they're out in open water. <clears throat> so you go tie up next to uh, not so much um, pretty shallow in a lot of places, so it would be kayak water, but uh, but, you know, like they say, it's big water. Uh, You know, you couldn't paddle a lot of that stuff. You you know, you can paddle it because it's not too deep, but it's a long way from anything. Yeah. Uh, But you hook up with those gas wells, you go tie up to one, uh, and a lot of cases, um, you know, there are these these, uh, uh, galvanized steel structures, and they got, you know, they got ladders and, and, and walkways and things like that. Uh, the first time I saw a bull red, one of the old gates and coonasses down there the the red was about to spool him. We were using back then we were using like fifty pound braided line. He grabbed the end of that braided line, and he hauled that thing in by hand
1: oh, man. Uh,
0: unbelievable, absolutely unbelievable oh
1: that's so it, enough. it's
0: a great place to, you know it is absolutely sportsman 's paradise, yeah, um, but you know, it's it's wide
1: open spaces for sure. Yeah, so I'd like to get down there. I heard that a lot of redfish, so. And actually, um, Jaron had posted a, a thing last week of a fellow who uh, showed him a picture. 32-inch, 11-pound trout. Wow. That is, that's a gator. <laughs> that's
3: massive, yep.
1: That's a gator.
3: Um I think Louisiana has more redfish than anywhere else in the nation. I, I think, think so. When I fish there, Louisiana remind me of Alaska. You know, Alaska for trout and salmon? That's what Louisiana remind me of because there's so many fish and they're so stupid because there's absolutely no fishing pressure, you know?
1: Yeah. So.
3: <clears throat> I like stupid fish. I like big, stupid fish. Those are my favorite kind.
1: Yep. Yeah. big, stupid fish. I like them. So.
3: Did
0: a lot of uh, uh, flounder digging down there, too.
1: Oh, yeah. Which
0: is interesting, wading through the shallows at night with a lantern, you know, a Coleman gas lantern, uh, and, and a big old pitchfork. <laughs> pretty, <Yeah>. pretty
1: interesting. <laughs> a pitchfork. A pitchfork. <laughs> oh,
0: oh, yeah, man. A pitchfork or a steel rod. Yeah. One of those things they do down there is they take the steel rod, they put some line on the back of it, so you find your flounder, you gig it, you reach down underneath the flounder, run it up that rod, onto the line, and you keep on walking.
1: Just keep just keep dragging them along behind you, right? Keep dragging them along.
3: <laughs> <laughs> you, you know, when you're any flounder-gigging you know flounder with a pitchfork, that's country. I
0: mean, that's <laughs> eight-up
3: country right there. <laughs>
0: I did that with a group of good old
3: boys in North Carolina.
1: That's interesting. Yeah, man.
3: It's all right. You don't need no gig and no bamboo pole, bamboo, no bamboo rod on a flounder gig. We'll just use a pitchfork. No, man. A pitch, pitchfork. You got four gigs pitchfork. at the same time.
0: You know?
1: That's right, man. You get four of them at a time on that one. That's, That's funny. funny. Yeah, man.
0: Pro- problem is, you think you got a, a flounder, you reach down and you got a... a, a, a uh, shucks. Which, a, a ray on you with a stinger yeah. on the end of it.
3: Yeah, that's a problem. Yeah. That's interesting.
1: <laughs> Got to do the little shuffle there, man.
3: Yeah. Well.
1: Right. All right.
0: Yeah, well, you. go ahead. Yeah, just real quick. You know, I was we we're talking about it, and I said, well, let me look. The the parts of Grand Isle that I fished uh, are not even on the map. I'm looking at Google Maps. It's not even there anymore. Used to go down to the furthest point you could go to on the peninsula there on the delta, right on that Mississippi River, and the island uh, pitched back up to the sort of sort of north northeast. Well, that that's not even on the map anymore. So that that part of Grand Isle that I fished on is completely gone. Wow! Huh. So yeah, that changes over time.
1: Yeah. Uh. All right, well, I don't think anybody's fishing this weekend. Anybody fishing? Sound off. Nope. Nope.
3: I'm going to walk down <laughs> to the pond, but I ain't putting a yak in.
1: Yeah, I don't I'm think so. I'm going to go to the uh,
3: seafood counter
1: at the uh, local grocery store over here. So I might expect Okay, all right. Do they let you drop a line in a little thing? Try to pick out which one you want and stuff? Yeah, I, could probably, I could probably
2: go for a, the, one of the lobsters in the tank there.
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> are you talking? That's right. How are you talking? All right. So, well, guys, it's been fun. And I think uh, everybody that's in the chat room is on the phone line. So uh, I know Chris was down there. He was uh, hanging out from Pensacola there listening to the show. We appreciate that. Monday night, Redfish Chuck kicks it off. Uh, Tuesday night, it's at 8 o'clock Central, 9 o'clock Eastern we got Yak Fish in Texas, a new edition. Wednesday nights, we've got the Low Sodium Show with uh, our landing crew, Mark Wheeler. And you're back around a Thursday for us here, Buzzards Row, hanging out, just uh, talking about pitchforks and gigging flounder. So, uh, <laughs> Jim, stay warm. Matt, you guys, you and Cap D up there. Cap's a little further south from you, but... Uh, Matt's all the way up in Jersey. You guys stay warm. We'll see you next week. Mr. Becker, you still there? We'll catch uh, you good luck this weekend out there in, the, in Tampa Bay Frogman Swim. You folks, if you're looking for something to support, yakangler.com forward slash TBFS, Tampa Bay Frogman Swim. Rest in Virginia. There you go. All right, guys. We'll see you next week. I'm trying to stay warm. Yeah, Stay warm. uh, All right, good night. We'll see you next time. Kayak Fishing Radio, take a kid fishing, all right? Tight lines, everybody. Good night.